This is Circulating Ideas. I'm Steve Thomas. My guest today is Merlin Mann. He's an independent writer, speaker, and broadcaster based in San Francisco. He created 43 Folders and co-hosts many podcasts, including Back to Work, Roderick on the Line, and Reconcilable Differences. You may also know him as the creator of Inbox Zero. You can find him online at MerlinMann.com. Um, Merlin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Steve. Um, I wanted to have you on because I've listened to you on many podcasts in the past, and you've talked about your love of libraries, and we need to check in with the library elf. Hello. (laughs) So he's there with you today, too. I'm here. I'm always here. I live in the computer. It's very comfortable for me. Um, Hello. (laughs) Can you talk about what... I I think a lot of librarians know what it is, but um, I wanted to use library elf as... Do you still use library elf? (laughs) I do. Um... Library Elf, I first became aware of, I'm sure I must have written about it on 43 folders in like 1945, but, you know, we didn't used to be such a connected uh, people, such a connected society. And uh, I discovered somewhere about this service called Library Elf. And uh, as somebody who uses libraries a lot, at, at you know, it isn't like we go to the library once a month, like we go to the library twice a week. So I don't remember what books are due. That's great. When and I don't like being late. I'll pay my bills months late. I don't care. <laughs> when the electric shut off, I'll pay it. But I hate having p- fines. On, I don't know why. I hate having. I just paid sixty cents in fines on library books, and I was incredibly apologetic. Um, but no, Library Elf was a service uh, that started a few years back, uh, where basically you go in, you get an account, you hook it up with your I don't know the term of art, but your online compliant account, and basically it sends you uh, emails and later on text messages to let you know when your books are almost due. And it, uh, the library elf saved my bacon many, many times. Now, as it happens now, my library can send me text messages anyway, so I don't really need it. I mostly just keep it around for old time's sake. Yeah, that's it. My, my, my library used to use library elf too, but yeah, our new system that we went to does the texting all of it itself. The one good thing that I think it does that a lot of systems don't do automatically is you can put multiple accounts on. So like if you had a card, your wife had a card, your daughter had a card, you can put them all together on library elf and it would all come together. So that's the... The one great thing about Library Elf. So. Yeah, I'm the library czar in our house. I'm the one who makes sure the books uh, get back. So that's good to know. Yeah. And do you all have your own library cards or is it all just you on one card? No, we do. Um, but generally, when we go to the library, uh, and I generally go with my daughter, I, we just use my card. She has a card, uh, but it has like limitations on it, I think. Right. Um, I feel like maybe she can't check out um, non-juvenile uh, graphic novels. Or there, anyway, there's some things. There's, there's a limit on the number of books, I think, and I'm pretty sure there's a limit on content that we ran into a couple times. And because I'm a horrible father and think it's important <laughs> to expose my daughter to terrible things while she's young, uh, we generally just use mine. And she always does the checkout process uh, by herself. She's, she has an entire workflow, and she's insistent about being the one that does the checkout. Oh yeah, I, lo- I love when the kids do that, where they they won't let staff help them, they won't let their parents help them, but they're they're in charge. <laughs> my, my 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 daughter, whom I love, uh, is a, is a wonderful child who's who's horribly disorganized, but she has an uh, when I say a workflow, like she uh, she approaches the machine, she sorts the book by size, she scans them in from largest to smallest book in terms of like square inches, and uh, she she enters in the pin code. And uh, and then she always puts the books right over the receipt hole so that it'll uh, it'll scroll up and make a mess. And then she takes out the receipt and throws it away. So you <laughs> and know, and, and that comes back to library elf again, where you need that because you don't have the receipts. <laughs> that's true. But I also have the other thing I do. I think with library elf, you know how it is with technology, Steve. I don't even remember this started in the days of Firefox for me, where I didn't even remember how my computer could do things if I had to create it, recreate. Like how my setup worked. I don't remember. I don't know what does what on my computer, but I think it's Library Elf where I've subscribed to a calendar, a, a um, you know an ICS calendar that puts it right into my uh, calendar, so I can see when books are coming up due. And I don't, you know, it's weird. I mean, I know it's not a huge deal, but I, I'm really poor at uh, getting my kid to understand lots of things about how to be responsible, but I'm trying to use the library as a way to learn lots of little responsibility things, that it's a community thing, that this is a book that you are borrowing from somebody. You don't get to keep it. You know, we had a, we had a book that got wet, our first book that got kind of damaged, and I was so fretful about it. I fixed it. You know, I was, I was preparing her for the whole process of having to go and explain that this book w- might be ruined and we would be happy to pay for it. 
<laughs> uh, but I was able to fix it. The Pokemon book, uh, the Pokemon black and white book was fixed, uh, and we didn't have to do that. But I don't know. I feel like that's a good way to do that is for her to understand that, like, you know, you may want to check this book out again. You want it to be good. You want other kids to be able to enjoy this book. So, yeah, I try to do that. Yeah, that, that's one of the tacks we use a lot of times when we're doing outreach to schools and stuff when we're explaining what the library is and what the difference is between checking out a book and then having to bring it back. And it's not really yours. It's a shared thing with the community. And it's a, it's a good way. Yeah, it, it's a great way to get that kind of lesson across to kids. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, she just started second grade, I guess now almost three weeks ago. And um, they have, you know, obviously they have a library at her school, which, <laughs> which when I was in junior high suddenly became called a media center. I don't yeah. know why. I don't yeah. like that term. <laughs> it's a library. Anyway, um, but uh, she's been able to check out books in first grade, but now she's a big kid, and she gets to, to check out a book and take it home. It has to come back by Friday, but she had her first uh, take-home book uh, this past week, which was a book on pirates. <laughs> so, yeah, my, you know, yeah, my, they're, they're, they're getting her into the responsibility thing, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And my, my, yeah, my daughter's in second grade as well. And yeah, she just oh, that's her, so cool. Just brought her first one back as well. And so, yeah, she's, she's very excited about the library. And she tells them all at, at school, my daddy's in the works at the library. <laughs> so. My God. My, my daughter tells people what I do, and, and then they think that she doesn't understand. Like, my, my daddy talks on the internet. Hmm. <laughs> Why is he dressed like a hobo? I don't know. <laughs> uh, another piece of uh, – I, I did want to ask, um, did you – um, do you have an opinion from the outside? Because I, I can tell you that we've had many conversations in the library world about the whole media center <laughs> renaming. What would be your guess as to why you think that it got changed? I think um, – good question. I think a couple reasons. This was circa uh, – so the school that I started junior high in, I started in 1980, and it had been built in 1977. So, uh, And it was one of those kind of modern, like international style, very modern looking school which now, of course, looks incredibly dated, uh, like all things that look modern at the time. But, you know, it had like this big central middle area. There was like classes all around the outside on the first floor. And then something like what you might call a mezzanine, where there were like all, you know, classes on the second floor. And there was a big open plan in the middle. So there was a gymnasium that back when we, <laughs> this is back when we still had gyms. Um, there was actually a gym that was way off, you know, in a different area. But then the whole central area of the junior high was a big open lunchroom and then a big open media center that had, I guess what I would describe as like half of a very large oblong, so like mm -hmm. a big curved wall. So my guess, two things. One is Media Center probably reflected, uh, I'm purely guessing here, but that it probably reflected an, a library science interest in saying we are, we are more than sh people who shush about books, that this is about films. This is where you come and you get films, and you get film strips, and you get microfiche, and all these kinds of things. Um, so I suspect it was part of that movement. And I wonder, though, second, I, if it's partly the idea that is so prevalent today, which is this needs to be more than one thing. So like today, like my daughter's school, they have something called the MPR, the multipurpose room, which mm -hmm. is the it's where it's the, it's the auditorium, it's where the stage is, it's where the lunchroom is, it's where like almost anything that needs to happen with a group happens. Because they don't have the square footage they used to have to, you know, be able to do stuff like that. They had a certain amount of room to rebuild this school a few years ago. And when they did that, they reused it. So what do you think? I, I, I'm guessing that it's a, partly a way of saying that, you know, lots of different things happen here. It's not just about books. Well, I think that's probably how it started. But I think it's probably – I think it's unfortunately one of those first dominoes in the fact that now school librarians have trouble getting funding, getting support now. And I think it's because they don't have that library name anymore. And it's sort of that – idea that names have power and media center who knows what that is when they see it when, when like a, the pta has the the budget in front of them and they say media center got cut this much they're like well whatever i don't know what that is but if you said the library got cut people there's something in some people's head they know what that is yeah so, so I, some, somewhat i feel like it's a tool of the administration to hide the, the fact that they don't value them as much anymore unfortunately hmm. i can't agree with that at our school. Um, I, I don't get that sense at all uh, at our school. Well, yeah. So I, I don't know. My, my wife is pretty involved in the PTA. She had a she had a vice president position last year in the PTA and worked so hard. Um, you know, and like you know, schools are like any organization. Many organizations are the same. Um, I, I imagine this is true all the way down into the army. But you know, there's all the whole idea of the Pareto principle, and I, I think that is even taken further in a place where people volunteer, where something like 
5%, 8% of the people who could be participating are doing the lion's share of the work. Uh, and, and they're the people who stay after and clean up. And, 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 you know, and I just I have to speak for the staff and faculty of my kids' school. It's, it's appalling how dedicated these people are. <laughs> it's ridiculous. First of all, this is San Francisco. No one can afford to live here. So our principal lives in the East Bay. Like she drives an hour to and from school. And she has a kid who's in preschool. But that's how dedicated she is. She, she is there at, you know, by 730 in the morning. And then leaves in the afternoon, the, and especially in like K through K through two or three at my kids' school. I mean, the the the, the teachers are at, at like every event. They're at stuff on the weekends. They're dressing up in costumes. They're just hanging out and talking to people, and a uh, huge amount of dedication. So I don't know if that's true precisely at our school. Uh, two quick things. I mean, one thing is like I I don't want to sound unnecessarily or unusefully old fashioned, but I think library is a good word. Yes. I think library, the word library, has a fantastic reputation and well deserved, and it's an institution that we arguably need now more than at many other times. I don't want to say ever, but I could imagine cases in the 1920s in an African American community where a library could make a hell of a difference. Yep. And now you know, but today, for reasons I'm sure we'll get into. There are so many functions that a public library is performing and by extension that a school library is performing. We don't have – we have like a few independent bookstores now in San Francisco. But even if you have the money to buy books, it's very difficult to walk in somewhere and pick up a Mr. Lunch book. Like it's hard to do. There are not that many places, let alone the function of well, – I'm sure we'll get into this. You know, People having access to computers and forms and information and uh, I would love to get into that. Mm-hmm. But um, – so I guess the, the last piece on it, it, it is a strange thing, though, because I'll give you a funny anecdote. My, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for this. My, <laughs> wife, my w- wife texted me from one of the very long PTA meetings last year. I was like, oh, my God, there's a couple of people here who are really adamant about buying a 3D printer. And it's funny because me and a couple other of the pretty super nerdy dads, I know the father of one of my daughter's friends is, is a bigger nerd than I am. And we were both like, um, I don't think that's a good idea to spend to allocated money on a 3D printer, and I'll tell you why. There are so many other things that like we already need to buy and maintain. And like buying and maintaining a 3D printer is a fantastic idea. Why don't we find somebody who wants to donate or buy a 3D printer for us and the supplies for a year. But it's like, <laughs> it's already so difficult to just get the basic stuff. Our kids' shopping list for school includes paper towels and Kleenexes for the class and snacks. Like, bring in stuff for the class because those resources yeah, right. are not there. So I'm not anti-technology or anti-3D printer, but I really feel like the, we can barely maintain the infrastructure we have with bake sales and cash. Like, I, I feel like let's, let's keep these institutions that are dying safe before we start extending into these other things. So they went ahead and bought it, and I guess people like it. Uh, but, you know, I'm pretty conservative about those kinds of things. Yeah, the, the, my, my public library does have a few 3D printers, but they were bought with the, the st- state grants they gave us for technology grants to, specifically to buy new technology kind of stuff. So it wasn't didn't come out of our normal kind of budgetary process. But okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I like the idea of the. I, I imagine we'll get into this, but you know, I, I when we walk into our library, I see, or whether it's our local branch, which is very close to our house, or go to the big one on Larkin Street downtown, the main library branch, which is huge. Um, you just see one of the ways that society has had to bend and accommodate a lot of people and their needs in a way that's not getting covered somewhere else. And in the same way that teachers and hot lunch programs are helping a lot of kids who would not be getting affection and food at home uh, or attention and food at home, the libraries are performing so many functions. And that might just be that it's a bathroom people can use. It's it, Our city is falling apart at the seams, and I can really see how that load is being passed on to the men and women who work in those buildings. Yeah, well, and, and as... So many forms move online. People don't have internet at home. They need to. I mean, almost every government government form now has to be filled out online. So you have. If to you want to get, if access. you want to get like all kinds of cards for like, if you want to get access to things like, I don't know if it's true for things like, um, they don't call it food stamps anymore. But but for if you want to apply for a job, if you want to apply for like any kind of job, especially a government job at this point, if you want to if you want to you know get forms to file your taxes, there's all this stuff where like the most convenient way to do that is to do it at the library. So there's I mean there's always a line. In 
in the city of San Francisco, there's always a line for the computers, whether that's to play video games or watch YouTube or to fill out a form. Um, that's a huge resource for our community. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we get a lot of people asking us to help them with resumes and stuff, too, because not, not only do they need the access, but they've never had to do that kind of thing before. So they need help just learning that kind of stuff as well. I believe it. You've talked a lot about in some a lot of your other other podcasts, and you're you've been you're on a lot of podcasts, especially now. <laughs> um, that um, about learning to do things yourself, like on this week's um, the newest episode of Back to Work that you do, you talked about where you play guitar, but you taught you taught yourself, and so you taught yourself quote unquote wrong <laughs> a couple things. Um, but the library, I think, facilitates that kind of um, self learning. Oh, totally. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, not, yeah. not, only, not only just the resources, but I think that's part of what librarians are there for, too, is to guide people into those kind of things. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, gosh, where do you begin? Um, I mean, one thing I'd, I'd love to talk about maybe later on is getting access to things like your requesting books online all the way down to like using things like WorldCat to find books you didn't know were available that you can get through interlibrary loan. But setting all that aside, just going even to a small branch library and following your nose, you know, I think one of the most difficult things in education and self-improvement, and it sounds like you've heard my show, so you're, you know I feel this way. One of the most difficult things is knowing, is just getting started and knowing what it is I need to know. Like I think it's it can be so overwhelming to think about. Well, I want a career. I want a career with computers because computers are where things are going. Well, my gosh, what career is not about computers now? And you need a sherpa. You need a rabbi. You need somebody. In that case, it's you know one of these frequently women at this desk who are going to like just get you started on where to go. What section to even go to to find career books? What section to go to 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 find those uh, test preparation guides? You know where if you're a little kid, where to go, go find you know those career books or like go learn about geology. Most people don't have the Dewey Decimal System in their bones today like we did when we were kids. And you really need somebody to kind of walk you through that and then say, well, you know, there's another great book that we don't have right now, but I can request that for you. You're not going to figure that out on your own. And librarians are – I'm not not saying they're saints or something, but in my experience, librarians are so amazing at fulfilling those requests and – you know, there's all those stories about like, you know, the kinds of questions that reference librarians have had to answer over the years. There's whole books that have been put out about the questions that reference librarians have had to answer. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you can call us saints if you want, but that's okay. okay you guys are saints. <laughs> um, that does actually lead to something that you said you wanted to talk about anyway was um, like using WorldCat and something we discussed a little bit on Twitter too is using that um, library extension, Chrome yeah, extension. Yeah, right, right. Do you want to talk a bit a little about what, what that is and – how you use it? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, for most of us, if you've gone to public schools in America, uh, and, you know, you've probably get, have been to the library at your school. You've probably been compelled to go to the library and learn a little bit about it. Um, and, you know, so if you're an adult in America today, you may know libraries exist. But I, 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 my gut is that most people think of libraries as, as a place, especially branch libraries, like we're, we're a pretty far-flung branch library. It's not very large. Is that it's a place where you go, and you maybe look in the card catalog or the equivalent, and you go and like find a book on a thing, and if it's not checked out, you can't get it. I'm not sure how many people are aware, just in our case, just in the SFPL system, like what is available to you by just requesting it. Like right. you are probably two days away from having any book that is in print. I mean, obviously, there are cases where books get really popular, like the Mr. Lunch books are a good example. We were on a waiting list for a while for those. But, you know, I mean, any, any comic book, any, any like novel, any, any, anything, DVDs, uh, Blu-rays, anything, you just need to know how to go in and request it. And it will be, in our case, it's waiting for us, usually within two to three business days. And I, 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 people may be aware that that's a concept that exists, but that is a huge part of, of how we use the library. Um, we do it a lot and I wish more people knew about it and utilized it. Yeah, no, that, that's something that we, when we explain it to people that, you know, I don't have it on the shelf here, but I, they've got it over at that other branch. It's on the other side of the County, but you know, I can request it and get it over here and they're like, Oh, that, that's great. <laughs> so yeah, people don't realize things like that. And, well, there's, and so there's three steps. I mean, step number one is know that in my, my case, you go to whatever it is, sfpl.org, get an account, which <clears throat> you just use your library card and your pin in our case and you log in and you can go in and do a search and say, request this book. Okay. What branch do you want it sent to, this one? Okay. Is there a date after which you don't need it? No. It's okay. Take your time. And then you just walk into the library, and there's a book with your name on it, and you check it out. That's that's the first level, and boy, is that ever fantastic. And the next level up to me is something like, do you want to explain what WorldCat is? Yeah, WorldCat is basically the 
catalog of, I mean, it kind of self-explanatory in the title. It's the catalog you know, of like basically, basically every, every book that's ever been published anywhere that's in any library anywhere. Definitely in, in the United States, North America, but most of the world as well. I mean, if, there, if there's a book that has existed, it is in WorldCat. So you just go to WorldCat and get an account. You identify what your library is, and you can just go start. This is this was in the days before I found that wonderful extension. This is how I would do it: is just go to Amazon, grab an ISBN, uh, the identifying book number, drop it into WorldCat, and it would tell me if it's available from the library, and just go and request it. Which is, you know, it's it's giant. There's stuff like, for example, like those out of print. Uh, David Allen Company uh, CDs called what's it called? Getting things done fast. Something mm-hmm. that company you know scotched basically had removed from the market. You can't buy it <laughs> except on eBay for very very much money. You can go to the library and request that. You can go to WorldCat and find a place that has that. And either through your system or I guess through interlibrary loan, you can actually borrow that and check it out. Yeah, that's that's the great thing about WorldCat is yeah because it's opening it up to, for, for interlibrary loan. That if your library system doesn't have it for whatever reason, some some library in the world will probably have it. And if it's not some super rare thing or some other disqualification, or like a reference book or something, yeah. right, right. And, and, and a lot of people will not they, they won't do audio books or DVDs through interlibrary loan either. But there's any book basically you can get. So it's great. and I guess that if if I could mention it, then the, the third level for me is a piece of pure magic. Mm-hmm. With the unassuming name library extension. Yep. Now, are, are you were, were you aware of this? Have you used this? Yes, yes, yeah, I've used it. Yep. So it's on my computer to, right now. I'm on Chrome, but I think it exists for Safari. I'm sure it's on other platforms. But you, I'll, I'll, I got links for all this. I'll send you. Um, you. In my case, I go to the Chrome store, get this thing called library extension, click to install it. The configuration is really as simple as saying what state are you in? Okay. Which library to use? Okay. And now every time this sounds so so. Uh, simple, but it's incredibly powerful. Every time you go to an Amazon.com page that has a book, that is a a detail page for a book, a little dingus appears on the right side of your page Mm -hmm. where it automatically, automatically, without you doing anything, looks up that book in your library system and lets you know if it's available and whether there's holds on it. And you literally click a button and it takes you to the page to go and then request it from your library. It's not perfect. I think it might get confused about ISBN numbers sometimes. Yeah. But like a, a surpassing amount of the time, it will find the hardcover or softcover version of this book. In, you know, but it, it, does, it does the basic heavy lifting. If it says there's 35 copies of this book from the 1960s, there's a good chance you just click that and, it, and you just, like I say, two to three days later, you just pick it up. And then, nothing against Amazon. I spend a fair amount of money on <laughs> Amazon. But it's a fantastic resource. I will periodically call through my wish list and say, oh, are, are there any books on this list? This like book of Jim Steranko comics from the 1960s. Yeah, just click it and it's done. And then it just shows up. Well, one of the great things about that is a lot of the library catalogs, the search functionality is not the greatest in the world, but Amazon's is great. And so you can, use, so you can look things up on Amazon, use that to see if it's in the library, then come back and do it that way. So if it's, a, if it's some complicated search, you're, you're having trouble finding something, you can do it that way sometimes. That's a, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, they've recently um, changed the provider for, and I don't know, any, I could probably look in the source code. They, they have a much better uh, system now for all of the borrowing stuff. The, the section that is now called, what's it called? I don't know. But anyway, um, and I sent you some crappy looking PDFs of my current list. But um, they, they make it very easy to go in and find stuff. And in fact, you can enable one click requesting. So, like, once you're on a page for something, and you know, the findability has gotten a little better, it's still kind of difficult. Like, if you want to find an Iron Man comic, you're going to have to look through like a whole bunch of stuff that could be about triathlons or something. But anyway, um, yeah. And then with one click, you say, boop, request it, and it just shows up. Yeah, and with graphic novels, we've talked about this on previous episodes with some other people. But the problem with that is the way that comic publishers don't didn't didn't really, didn't really have obviously libraries in mind when they were publishing these things because there's if you look up, I want Iron Man Volume One. Well, there's about twenty Iron Man Volume Ones. It's you got to right. figure out which one is the one you want. It's it's, it's super really confusing, hard. and you'll so you'll see like um, J G N. Um, I don't know the numbers, but you'll see like, you know, uh, BEND791 or something like that. I don't have one in front of me right now. Well, that's, that's totally inscrutable. So what does that mean? Well, it means they're shelving it by the first credit. So if Brian Michael Bendis wrote this comic, it'll be his name on the spine. They have a huge Matt Fraction section at our library. You can go get his stuff. It, but it's pretty confusing because there's JGN and there's GN, and then the manga's in a sec- separate section. But uh, it's, 
man, our, actually, our juvenile uh, graphic novel section is great. Just the stuff that's on the shelves. Tons of like great kids comics. Uh, the you know the oh yeah comics, uh, Avengers comics. Um, and you know, personally, I like reading comics in trade. I like reading, you know, having five or six issues in one volume. That's how I actually prefer to read. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a crazy system, and it doesn't really accommodate the way comics. You know, exactly right. right. Like, which which Iron Man volume one are you talking about exactly? But yeah, yeah, most things are sold by author, but that doesn't make sense because you don't necessarily want all the you want all the Iron Mans together. You don't want all the Bendises together. And well, and how do you get how do you get a compilation of Avengers versus X Men? Like who's right. who gets the credit on that? That's you know it is pretty weird, but yeah, it works. It works. I mean, if you like I say, if you can find it, uh, you can get it, and don't be overwhelmed by the shelves. You know. Your current library usage that you do, um, you obviously you, you have a branch that you use regularly that's near you. Yeah, absolutely. And what kind of stuff do you usually check out, if you don't mind talking about it? No, not at all. Um, I mean, I don't want to say too much, but you know, we're, we're fortunate to live very near a library um, to where we just it's a you know it's a two and a half minute walk, and so it's a big part of what we do. And so you go to the library, maybe you go to the drugstore, go to the ATM. You know, we have a very walkable neighborhood, and we walk a lot. And we go places, and so when we do errands, we almost always end up going to the library and the adjacent playground. And so we just go and mill around. So a lot of times if my daughter says she wants a book and it's something she wants to check out that's not already like for example, oh, do you um have you read that book The Day the Crayons Quit? Yes. <laughs> Did you like it? Yes. <laughs> I love that book. <laughs> so much. Basically, this kid's crayons decide to quit. Mm-hmm. And each one of the crayons, each one of the different colors writes like a nasty goodbye note. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yesterday, I actually picked this up in a store. The sequel just came out. Yep. Oh, have you seen it? I, I, haven't, I haven't read that one yet, but yeah, I, I saw heard it about in the library. Yeah. yeah, it's like the day the crayons came home or something like that. But like, there, if there's a specific book where like, you know, we bought all of the Harry, well, not all the Harry Potter books, but we like bought all of the Amulet books. We're dying for the next one of those to come out. There's certain series that we read where we just buy them because we know we want all of them. But if there's something new, like my daughter's recently really gotten into Pokemon. And so we'll go get like a Pokemon Pokedex book before we're going to go buy that from Amazon. We'll check it out. So in that case, I'll request that. But I guess I... I, I try not to be too ego assertive with my kid about what to like and how to be, but I would love for her to not see the library as a place you go to do a task, but a place where you just go. It's just part of what you do. It's like brushing your teeth or going to the bathroom. We just go to the library a couple times of the week, and, that, and that's the thing we do. Right. And so I, I would like that to get into her bones, where this becomes a place where you know you just go and wander around, and you don't you don't. If you're just interested in the spine, just grab it and check it out. She loves books on like ancient Greece and and Incans and like she gets all, ancient Rome. She just goes and grabs like three or four of these books. I don't know if she's going to read every one of them. She often doesn't. She doesn't read every comic she gets, but it's a big part of pre and post literacy to me to yeah. be to just have books be a part of your life. And we don't have the book collection we used to have because we don't need to have it anymore. But that's where the library comes in. So I really encourage her to go and just wander around, not with me hanging over her, but like, I'll be here, you go over there, just go do your thing, look for books, and just grab whatever you want, and we'll get it. There's, this does not cost anything, you don't have to, you're not obligated to read it, but, you know, it's, and I, and she does that now. So she'll just grab these incredibly obscure, weird books, this grisly book on World War One that I almost wouldn't let her check out, <laughs> but she wanted it, so she got it. Yeah. And I don't know, I think that, I want that to be in her bones as much as it's in mine, because that's the beginning of a learned life, that's the beginning of the liberal arts life, is knowing that you can find out what you want to know, and you will find new things to love just by following your nose. Yeah, we, we haven't reached the point yet where they've wanted to check anything out that's questionable, but in our minds, my wife and I are of the, they can read whatever they want kind of thing, so we'll, you know, we'll see when we get to a challenging thing, <laughs> but right. you know, we still feel about that. But yeah, we're, we're trying to be very open-minded about that, of you know, reading opens up things, even if you don't agree with it. You can learn from it. So, well, I, I imagine. I mean, as far as like manga, like the extent of what we've gotten, there's the, actually a, a pretty wonderful series of books based on the Miyazaki movies, where there'll be like a four or five part comic where essentially they've just taken, basically taken the movie and in extreme detail, like made the entire movie into a comic. And so she really likes those. But there, there hasn't been that much stuff she's interested in that's questionable, but. I don't know. I'm, I'm a weirdo about that stuff. I don't want her to see something that's like truly grotesque and scarring. Right. But I also think that 
I, my, and I, only, I speak only for myself here. I think it's the parents' reaction to things that causes trouble much more than what a kid sees. A kid's going to see stuff. <laughs> can I tell you? Can I tell you a story? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, my da- my daughter, who's going to be eight in October, she's she's very excitedly telling me about this boy at school who's always causing a lot of trouble. Well, no, it started it started out as describing how a cat that she met wanted to shake hands with her, and she said she said and it sticks its claw out with this, and she far extended the middle finger on her left hand, and she said. I'm not doing that because I'm mad at you. That's just what the cat did. I said, what, what, do, you, what do you mean? And I turned to my wife. I was like, did she, what, how does she know about the finger? She said, you know, there's a little, there's a little boy at school today that did that. Mm-hmm. And, and my wife says, what do you say, Ellie? <laughs> she extends both of her middle fingers and goes, bitches. <laughs> you can cut that out. But, but, okay, in that case, can I prevent my kid from hearing the B word and knowing that the middle finger is a bad thing? I cannot. But I can also teach her that that's not the kind of thing that, w- that, that we do in the house. That's an inside word. We know that word exists, but we don't, we don't use it. You know, I'm a little bit of a hypocrite there, obviously. But, but in that case, like, I want her to grow up not feeling like there's these stigmatized things that become special power things. So I don't want her to see sexually explicit stuff or, yeah. like, or like things where kids are harmed. Those are the kinds of things... Well, you know, and even even still, like if you read a fairy tale, my God, the kids are treated horribly. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I have really mixed feelings about those things. Yeah, say, right, right now they, yeah, right now my kids don't really venture outside the kids' room, so I feel like that's pretty safe for them to look at that stuff. But yeah, when, once they start venturing out of there, I'm not sure what I'll do. <laughs> but you know, I I'm trying to teach her little things. Like I remember first learning. Um, I, I, uh, I this is really silly. A library hack. I remember first learning that when you're searching through the stacks. And you see a book you like. As you're pulling out the book that you like, take the book to the right and turn its spine down. Do they, do they still teach that in school? I'm not sure. So, so what, what does that do? It shows you exactly where to put the book back right. without having to go and make sure you've got the right number. So like little tricks like that. So I want her to feel free to just go grab something off the shelf and then be able to put it back without making a mess. But, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like I, I trust her taste uh, to the extent that she has it. And... Um, I don't know. It's it, it, to me the other side of like running around and constantly trying to like run around with a broom after your kid going, "Oh, don't look at that. Don't look at that. That's the danger area." Yeah. You know, that's the <laughs> why why do you what is it uh, Chief Wiggum says to Ralph? You know, why are you so why are you so interested in Daddy's forbidden closet of mystery? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so and that's my a, kid as usual life. Ralph Wiggum is the core of everything the fun, <laughs> funniest from the Simpsons. <laughs> I love that show so much. Oh, and she loves Simpsons comics. She just goes and grabs a bunch of Simpsons, com- Simpsons comics and just sits in a chair and just reads them for half an hour. And like, ah, that makes me happy. Yeah, just because she's found something she likes. She knows what she wants. She knows there's a chair there where she can just, just sit and read it. I just look at my phone while she reads comics. Oh, that's, that, that's, gra- that's great. Did you, did you ever take her to programs at the library, like story times or anything like that? Or did they have those? Yeah, we went, we went when she was real little to like those playtime-ish things or like puppet show-ish kind of things. And she never got super into it. She's not a big like yell along with Dora kind of kid. Right. Never had been. Um, and so that was, that was a fun diversion for, for mom and her especially. But no, nah, never got super into that. We'll go to movies in the park and stuff like that, but not so much of those. Yeah, the the only kind of, I, I think, content stuff that I try to keep my kids away from generally is if I feel like it's something that I know they'll enjoy when they're older. Like, if, they, if they're exposed to it now, they won't even understand it. So I try to push it ahead a little bit and say, well, why, why don't we read that in a couple of years? Like, we just started reading um, Harry Potter with my daughter because she's eight years old. And I was like, okay, you, 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 can, you, you can get this now. Mm-hmm. But, and my son still sits there. He's four years old, so he's not really going to get it. And he usually sits there with his own book and reads it while we're reading Harry Potter. But, you know... Yeah. Those books are so wonderful. We we still listen to the audiobooks. Like that's what she listens to to go to sleep at night. She listens to Prisoner of Azkaban every night. Uh, <laughs> it's her go to sleep on the iPad music. Just set a timer for an hour and she listens to that. My my only like the only things that I am reflexively very protective about are sexually explicit as in like there's no question what's happening here. Like we'll watch Parks and Rec and like she'll miss a lot of what's going on. And the truly sexually explicit stuff I try to keep her away from and anything involving uh, a lot of personal violence. Like somebody being menaced with a knife. Like the threat of sexual violence. Those kinds of things I just those are right off the table. I cannot wait for her to be able to watch and read Hunger Games but that's too personal. Yeah. You know? Right. Whereas Indiana Jones it has peril in it but like she can handle that. Yeah, anyway, we, yeah, the yeah, we, library. We, Sorry, I got us off library. <laughs> no, no, it's all right. One of the or, th- things that I think 
I get out of what the, the work the work that you do is that you're helping sort of organize help, help helping people organize their lives to get things done better to, or to improve their lives and I see that as also um, what librarians do that's what I mean we're all about organization and making people's lives better I don't know if you see that as what you're doing, but that's sort of how, how I see a lot I, of I, I do, but I would even take it a big step further for both of us, which is that there's a lot of people out there who can tell you how to organize stuff. Like just understanding that, for example, whether it's Library of Congress or Dewey Decimal, like it's easy to understand there's a system of organization here. It doesn't make it easy to find what you need. <laughs> and in my case, yeah, organization is a part of it, but uh, the huger part of it for me is figuring out what it is you didn't realize is preventing you from doing the thing that you'd like to be doing or should be doing and to, to, to learn to do it well. So to, to me, there's a lot of like pretty stock advice out there about how to do this or that with a notebook or how to install this app. And I'm more about trying to figure out, well, yeah, but like what are those internal barriers you're not aware of that are keeping you from doing things? And so the bridge there is to go like, well, you know, there's probably a book about it out there somewhere. And here's a place you can go to find it. And uh, it'll be there for free for you to pick up in a few days. Like, yeah, I think we're both kind of in the same racket. We want to help make people's lives a little better. Yeah, and, and I think there, it's, it, it, it's an ongoing thing. I mean, because you've got the Back to Work podcast that's, what, more than 200 episodes going. So there's obviously lots of stuff to talk about. And there's new things all the time of, of I hate to use the word hacks, but, you know, <laughs> life hacks kind of stuff of learning new ways to get around. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, the nice thing about doing a podcast every week or so with somebody you like is if you both find each other and the world interesting, uh, you're likely to always have something to talk about. It, You know, the... the the shows that I do have something like a nominal topic, but it's kind of more in some ways about the relationship with the other person. Right. So it's not for everybody, but it's fun for some people. Well, and, and there's always new things coming out. Like, I mean, there's Library Elf, there's the Library Extension. There's always new twists on old ways of doing things, especially when you're getting any, into any kind of technology, which libraries are getting increasingly into. So, Absolutely. Um, one thing I did want to talk to you about, too, was a lot of the articles that are written about libraries are – Libraries are dead. Libraries are dead, and nobody needs libraries anymore. And I don't. We we've talked enough here in this um, podcast so far that I know you don't see it that way. But how do you think? I, I think some librarians get beat down by that sometimes. That they we they feel like <laughs> the rest of the world feels like you're when everybody's telling you you're dying and you're dead and you're you know you're, you're useless. How do you, how do you see people do it? How do you convince yourself to do great work when everybody? is against you. <laughs> well, if I, I would be happy to help with that. But first, let's just, let's just get to the idea that libraries are dead is impossibly ludicrous as a yeah. statement because it either reveals a ridiculous amount of privilege or a surpassing uh, level of ignorance because you're, you're either so privileged that, well, let's, let's say either you're, maybe you're so ignorant that you just don't need books or don't think people need books or need information or access to a system they don't get anywhere else. You know, that's that would be that would be really sadly ignorant. Or it could just be uh, that you're so privileged that you can just go buy stuff on your Kindle all the time. In which case, shame on you. Like, wouldn't you want other people to have that ability? Don't you want every kid in America to have the ability to wander around and discover things without having to have somebody that? Uh, I mean, not every kid has like either the resources or their parents may not have the education in the background. I live in a very uh, my neighborhood is mostly uh, people from Asia, people from Ireland, and uh, but a lot of first-generation Chinese people in my neighborhood. And, and as it happens, a lot of those parents are extremely driven in their kids' education. But if you didn't know how to speak English, or if your parents didn't know how to speak English, wouldn't you love kids to have a place that they could wander, wander into that's safe, where they could go and learn things? So, I mean, that statement is just, on the face of it, is is stupid to me. And I, I and shame on anybody who says that or believes that. And to make the hardworking people in libraries feel that way is, is just sickening to me. And, and to, to some extent, I think it's link bait, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so it's, this is, this is where we get into the privilege part of it. And what is privilege? Privilege is thinking that you've done something special or are something special because of what you've done rather than realizing it's just how you were born and what you've got and what you fell ass backwards into. Um, and it's something we all on some level need to be aware of. So, you know, that to me is the privilege part of this is going like, well, why, you know, why do we need, why do we need free lunch programs if you have Blue Apron? Or like, why, why would you need to have a, a public library that's funded if you can get anything from Amazon delivered the same day? 
And in some sense, that's true. That's true for somebody who has those resources. But you know, if you're li- if you're living in San Francisco and you have the ability to get one day delivery on books, well, it, it is very convenient. It's very nice. I get things delivered in one day all the time. I would never begrudge anybody else the access to be able to walk into a place, a safe place, a safe, well-tended place with bathrooms that work. <laughs> like it's it's so much more than about like you know what comes easily for me. Well, how about what doesn't come easily for other people? You know, and, and I just, it's so, I, I hate to be such a flaming liberal, but it's very frustrating to me when people want to point fingers about things like crime and low graduation rates and drug use and uh, all these people who fall through the cracks, like, like they're just bad people, you know, and it's not that they're bad people. They just haven't had the resources and opportunities that other people have had. Um, and so, I mean, if you're looking at places to keep people from going into the kinds of things you consider unsavory, how could you... How could you look at the library as anything but a huge boon to be able to help people with those kinds of things, to just have that access, to have a place? I mean, people are talking about like building community centers. Like, I'm sure that can be a valuable thing if you build that from scratch. You already have a community center. It's called a library. It's a place where your kid can go and like watch YouTube videos and, and you know, not run into trouble. So I just think there's so much more to it than just a place where you go and, and get a child's book. It's, it, it really is a, it's a big part of the community. Before you even get into the increased technology of ebooks and all that kind of stuff, but you know, heck, in our neighborhood, like it feels like about half the people there are there to treat it like Netflix. They're there getting DVDs. They're there, like like I say, getting forms or applying for jobs. I just, I'm sorry, I don't mean to rant, but uh, I'd be happy to address how to deal with people. You know, the feelings that you get out of people saying those things, but I just, I have to reject that. Partly because I am a library nerd, but also just because I believe in a civil society where people have access to information, whether they deserve it or not. Well, let's go back to the earlier days. Um, do you remember what your fir- getting your first library card or first books you checked? Out? I don't. I don't remember it specifically. I do have a. I mean, I, I do vaguely remember my mom taking me to a, a library and getting a library card. I tried to find this last night for the show. I can't find it. But one day we were at the library. My mom and I were at the library. I was probably about eight or nine. And uh, somebody from, I think, the Cincinnati Post was there. And uh, there's a picture of me in the paper uh, of me using a microfiche at school <laughs> or at the <laughs> library that was in the paper. I wish I could find that. You know, Merle Mann enjoys reading books at the library. <laughs> I wish I could find that, but it's out there somewhere. But um, no, that's my earliest memories. I remember, I feel like I remember, I, you know, I remember when, when I first started going to college. And it was so amazing because you could check out as many books as you want. As, as you wanted. And when I was a kid, I feel like I remember there being like a two book limit. Like you couldn't check out more than two books at a time. Uh-huh. And so for me, that became like a budget where I would really have to say like, okay, if I want this Sid Hoff book or if I want this Encyclopedia Brown book, like I'm really going to have to like, you know, and then bring it. And it was always doing like two weeks, like two books, two weeks. And like now today, like we get books for three weeks, which you can renew online. <laughs> and as you saw from that list, like at any given time, we have somewhere between five and 25 books checked out. That's what do we awesome. got here? Minecraft, Captain America, <laughs> Drawing Wizards, Witches, and Warlocks. That's one of my daughter's working on. More say, is that yours or hers? <laughs> well, the ones that are on the list here, the ones that are mine, there are not many of mine on this list. She got a book out on NASCAR. I'm not sure why. <laughs> a book about wrestling. Several books on Minecraft and Pokemon. Um but like you know, what are the ones on my on my on hold list? Like I, again, using that library thing, the the uh, the, uh, the autobiography of Daniel Bryan, the the pro wrestler. This book, mm-hmm. un, I can't wait to get this book. Unfair: The New Science of Criminal Injustice. Um, but no, I just it's it's I don't even think about it. I mean, I I don't have to go like I wonder if I want anything from the library. I mean, I'm constantly adding books uh, to the stack, and I don't I don't read them all, but like they're always they're always there, and uh, I love the access. You know, it's, just, it's the same way for me. I mean, I've, I've always got a stack on my I – mean, I, I even work there, but I've always got a stack on my nightstand, and I, I read a couple of them, and then the other Yeah, my, my wife's reading um, Wild right now, the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from the, the beginning of that movie. She's loving that. So, like, she, my wife reads more novels than I do. But cookbooks, like, we just got a, a vegetarian, Mark Bittman vegetarian cookbook out of the library. Like, we've always got, like, 30 library books in the house. Yeah, and you said you got you get a lot of comics and stuff too. We get a ton of comics because it's it's weird. First of all, it's weird that like we have a pretty sizable section of graphic novels at the library, um, but you know the truth is like they get it's because you know San Francisco is a 
okay big city. Like it's it's amazing how quickly they get multiple copies of new graphic novels. So anything from like the Marvel Now and Beyond era, as far as Marvel books is out there, you know, they always have tons of DC stuff. And you know, you can just go just go read all the Scott Pilgrim books. Like they're just they're just all there. Yeah. We I get tons of comics from the library. Yeah. Well, and you know, and there's something especially great about libraries and comics because, you know, I, I think it's pretty intimidating for most people to get into comics. And it's very easy to buy the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's two secret wars and one secret war series. <laughs> right. There's Uncanny X-Men, there's Astonishing X-Men, there's Amazing X-Men, there's regular X-Men, there's multiple volumes of all of those. Which Hulk are you going to get? You're going to get Green Hulk, Gray Hulk, Red Hulk, which, you know, it's super confusing. So the thing is, if you do a little research online, it's, it's so terrific to be able to go and get a book from the library, see if you like it, and then kind of figure out where you want to go from there. It doesn't – I'm not saying don't buy comics, but I'm saying it, it takes some of the sting out. If you get something and go, oh, I don't like the art in this at all, it doesn't mean you'll never read another Captain America. You know, It's just you may not like that particular one. Yeah, I, my, 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 I just started getting my – whatever the last free comic book day, I took my son there and we got him his first comic and got my daughter her first comic. And Nice. They both, they both liked them a lot got – Zeta the Space Girl for my That's daughter. That's terrific. That's a that yeah, we definitely my wife and my daughter read that one all the time. You know what else is great? Um and this is on Marvel Unlimited. I don't know if you're subscribed to that. You might have it at your library is um the Oz series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've by, seen by those. Scotty Young. Yeah. Yeah, those are really good too. My my son I think got one of the like Tiny Titans, something like that. One of those Oh Teen Teen Titans? No, it's like it's it's like it's like it's it's a little kid book, so I think it's Tiny Titans. Is what Tiny it's Titans might be part of the All Yeah series. It's the ones um, they, the same people who do Superman Family Adventures. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, it's uh, I know the name, and I'm just spacing on it right now. Those it, are terrific. It, yeah, it's very it's, it's very you know kid cartoony. It looks like almost like um, kids drew it. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Those you know, are terrific. No, you know, he loves it. And he got a few of the free comics. He doesn't understand. Like he got this. He got this. Um, he has a vague awareness of who the Avengers are from just merchandising and stuff. He hasn't seen the movies or anything, but. He got this the free comic book day thing, which is like for the new Avengers that are coming out as after post Secret War stuff. So he like doesn't know who anybody is. He's like, why is Captain America have wings? And he, oh, I know that's uh, I, believe me. I'm <laughs> and confused. he's like, where's he? Where's Hulk? Where's Hulk? He loves Hulk. So. Yeah. So uh, check out Superman Family Adventures okay. by uh, Art Balthazar is the top credit on it. Um, and Tiny Titans, yeah, that's also by Art Balthazar. And what's the guy's name? Franco is he the artist? Yeah, yeah. Um, so both, both of our sounds is familiar. So. Yeah, those 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 are those are really fun and super kid friendly, and I love I love the style of those. Well, the, yeah, so I mean, I was just I was always using libraries all the time. I loved I loved going at school. I mean, I was one of those weirdos that would, if I had a chance to do anything else or go to the library, I hated physical physical exertion and sunlight. So I was always happy to just go sit in the library and like you know. <laughs> just, just, just read encyclopedias. <laughs> well, that th- that kind of leads into the last thing I wanted to ask you about was sort of another sort of link I think between the kind of the work that you do and the work that librarians do is I think a lot of your podcasts are fed by just curiosity, where you're kind of learning about each other, like you're with the other hosts and you're learning about each other. Um, I would say that's especially true with. Um, Oh, I'm blanking on the title, uh, the Syracuse one. Yeah, reconcile different differences. I mean, that, that that's whole thing is sort of you figuring him out and him figuring you out, and it's sort of just. And I think that's a lot of what libraries are too. It's people satisfying their curiosity. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's you know, I don't want to lean too heavily on the privilege thing, but for somebody who's got a really fast web connection and an iPhone or a MacBook or a Dell or a whatever, you can follow your nose as far as you want all the time. But, you know, to have a place where you can go and, and I'm really push, pushing this point too hard. No, the, the curiosity thing is, is huge to me because now we have the ability to go online and follow one link to the next and go on and on and on and on. But there is something very, and I will be old fashioned here, there's something very substantial about going and picking up a book that you discover like, oh, I like this author. I like these David Foster Wallace short stories, so I'll pick up this David Foster Wallace novel. Or like I'll discover, hey, you know, actually essays are the thing that I like. Well, maybe I'll kind of find a book about essays like there's all these ways to, to branch and pivot like while you're actually still in the room and walk home with a month's worth of reading for absolutely free so you know that that curiosity is what keeps you i can't i can't guarantee that curiosity keeps you young but i think it does mitigate against getting old as long as you're maintain some plas, plasticity and the idea that there's still stuff you don't know you still have access to a rich life 
there, there's, there still should be room for joy. Whether you're going to go and discover science fiction novels you've heard about but never read, you could just go and read a goddamn magazine. Like, just, just go. Go and check it out. And you will also have one of those rare opportunities to be around strangers in a non-stressful place. Most of the places that we are forced to be around strangers today are stressful situations, whether that's the, the DMV or waiting in line for food that you're dying to get. But it's kind of nice to just go into a place where people of many different classes, ages, races, genders, are all hanging out in the same place and just following their nose uh, alone together. All right. Well, Merlin, thank you so much for the great conversation. Can you tell the listeners how they can find out more about you, where they should go online to find you? Oh, I, do, I would discourage that. Um, <laughs> uh, I need to update the site MerlinMan.com. I'm on Twitter as Hot Dogs Ladies, but I would avoid that altogether. I would say, um, you know, go to your library. Don't, don't follow me. Follow your library. Go, go. You know what? Do this for me. Go and install that extension on your browser and start requesting books from your library. That's where you'll find me. I'll be at your library, whether you like it or not. You know, I, I bet a lot of the listeners of this show who are librarians probably get what your um, Twitter has, t- Twitter name means. So. Well, that's a terrific <laughs> Very literate book. Have you read that book? <laughs> yes, I have, yep. <laughs> that is from, and let me, I should always take the opportunity to be able to say that Hot Dogs Ladies is not a dirty thing. <laughs> it's a line from one of my favorite novels of the 20th century called A Confederacy of Dunces. And you should go to your library and get a copy today because it is delightful. All right, thanks, Merlin, so much. Thank you, Steve. Hey, bye. If you'd like to learn more about the show or listen to past episodes, you can visit circulatingideas.com or follow us on Twitter at CircIdeas. We're also on Tumblr at circulatingideas.tumblr.com or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash circulatingideas. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for future interviews, you can drop us a line at mail at circulatingideas.com. Music is by Pamela Klicka. Thank you for listening, and keep circulating the ideas. Yeah, we we, we had we we had one. I forget what we were watching. We watched something where somebody had died, and they were kids were in bed. And they came down. You know, we just paused it real quick when they came down. Of course, there's like the dead bodies, like laying there, all bloody. We're like, oh, they're sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I know. I can't believe how many times I cringe as I say, she asks me a question. I go, uh, that means kissing. Like, what is, when she said she's going to do this, Tim, what's that mean? Oh, it's like kissing. Oh, God. <laughs> we had a horrible thing happen last night. For some reason, she could not get to sleep last night. And my wife and I were watching um, the last episode of Mr. Robot. And she came, walked into the room. was like, I can't sleep. And like, we knew this was going to end with somebody going to bed with her to help her sleep. Yeah. So like we, we put on, was like, uh, we were like, she can't watch this, right? There's no way she can watch any frame of this. So we flipped it on for like, like a, like honestly, like five seconds. And all I will say is within five seconds, someone took a gun out of a bag and was about to shoot themselves. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, let's end the TV for tonight. Didn't see that one coming. No, I don't let my water, daughter watch Mr. Robot. It was only like a couple seconds. <laughs> Usually she comes in and I'm watching like a documentary about Bitcoin or something. And she's like, uh, that's not for me. <laughs>